Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in. We are one day away from Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. I hope everyone has a safe and uh, fun weekend upcoming. This is going to be our last episode for the week. We are taking Friday off and Monday off. We'll be back with you on Tuesday afternoon uh, with our special guest, Ivan Kavanaugh, the writer of Sun. So don't forget, put it in your calendars. Tuesday, the show is going to be starting earlier than normal. It's going to be an afternoon show starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. Want to welcome Viviana, Lisa, Caden, who's joining us. Khaleesi is joining us as well. Tina, Megan, Lindsay Sparks, all the way from Canada. Welcome to you guys. Andrew Lincoln is with us. Welcome, Andrew. It's good to have you back on the show. Zachary Thomas is joining us. So, like I said, uh, you know, hope you guys having a good day today. The weekend is almost upon us. Hope you could spend the next hour with us as we discuss all things horror. And let's get right to it. All right. This is going to be our last episode. And as a reminder, uh, this weekend, tomorrow night, uh, I'm me and my executive producer are traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina for the Carolina Fear Fest Horror Festival convention. We are very excited about that. We're going to be live streaming throughout the entire weekend. So stay tuned to your social media. Uh, Ross Marquand, who plays Aaron. Uh, Natalie Grossman, who was a guest of ours. Penny from American Horror Story. Nick Stahl, who's currently on Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, an amazing list of guests are going to be there. You can check it out. Uh and if you're in the vicinity of Raleigh, North Carolina, like I posted on our social media today, I would love to meet some of you guys. If you want to, if you're going to be in and around the Raleigh area, uh, come on in and uh, should be a really, really fun weekend. And I would love to meet some of you guys if you guys can make it out there. Like I said, we're going to be live streaming, uh, doing on-the-spot guest interviews throughout the entire weekend. Uh, we're going in as press, so we're going to have full access, untethered access to everything and everyone there, and I'm excited. This is going to be our first convention since we started this show, uh, since the pandemic started. You know, everything is starting to slowly come back to normal. Uh, conventions are being brought back to uh, in-person live conventions. Uh, just another note, New York Comic Con is going on early in October as well. We plan to be there for that one. Uh, so I'm glad. I'm excited. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited. We're going there for the first time since starting this show. We're going in as official press. Uh, we're going to have those little lanyards that say press or whatever they say on them. I have no idea. So it's going to be a brand new experience for me, you know, actually getting to meet a lot of our guests in person. Uh, a lot of these guests I've interviewed on this show and to actually meet them in person is really going to be thrilling. Uh, can't 
you know, it, I got all the equipment. I got special microphone equipment for our cameras to make sure that everything is captured perfectly. I bought a whole bunch of equipment for our phone cameras, our other cameras, to make sure that we don't miss a beat. And I'm able to bring to you guys every exciting moment that happens in, in this convention over the weekend. So stay tuned. I'm going to be broadcasting to all of our uh, accounts and uh, just keep an eye. Uh, some will be live, some will be pre-recorded, but it'll be done throughout the entire weekend. It's going on Saturday and Sunday, so there'll be plenty of good stuff. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Zoe on uh, Twitter says she'll be in and on uh, the New York one. Great. I will definitely see you there, Zoe. The New York Comic Con is going on. I forget the exact dates, but it's like the first week of October. The uh, Comic Con International, the one that's held in San Diego, is not happening uh, in person this year. It is scheduled to go back to normal next year in 2022. So let's see if that happens. Uh, Gypsy Road is joining us. Good to have you with us, Gypsy. Megan is with us. Uh, so let's get started. Let's go on with some news, all right? Uh, here, let me bring it up. And why The Walking Dead's Andrew Lincoln won't direct the Rick Grimes movies. The idea of Andrew Lincoln directing the trilogy of movies, or even the first one, Never even crossed my mind. But here's why he won't be directing the movies. Over the past decade and change, AMC's The Walking Dead has become a massive television franchise. As the flagship series will have one final season, there's also two spin-offs on the network. The zombie property will debut in theaters with the upcoming Rick Grimes movies, but Andrew Lincoln recently explained why he won't be directing any of the installments. And I was thinking about this earlier today, and I want to share it with you guys. Uh, Marco is letting us know that the New York Comic Con is happening October 7th through the 10th, or the 6th through the 9th, somewhere around there. It's the first week of October. But I was thinking about the Rick Grimes Walking Dead movies earlier today. And doing this show Monday through Friday, talking to all you guys, uh, I can really tell that the questions regarding Rick Grimes and the movies have really toned down. And it was what I was afraid of. A lot of time has passed since we last saw Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead. And we've been hearing about these movies for so long. Uh, after Rick's, after Andrew Lincoln's final episode, Scott Gimple was on Talking Dead and revealed to us the plans of what they plan on doing with Rick's character. And this is, of course, well before COVID. And the movie was supposed to be out no later than early 2020. Of course, we're in, we're in the middle of 2021, and last I heard, they have not even started filming yet. Why they haven't started filming, I don't know. 
they can't really use the COVID excuse anymore. Other films have been filming. Uh, big budget films have been able to film. I have not heard anything that they have started filming. Why? Uh, they haven't given us a reason as to why these movies are on hold. So that really leads me to believe that there is something going on that is not being shared with us. What that is, I have no idea. But, you know, over the last year and me getting a crash course in how Hollywood works, it could be any of dozens of different reasons. Disputes, from minor to major, but something is holding them back. And as time continues to pass, people are slowly starting to forget. They are. And uh, is it going to hurt the franchise, at least the movie franchise with Rick Grimes? I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that once they do get underway and start filming and that first real teaser drops, it's going to reinvigorate excitement back into seeing Rick Grimes on the screen, especially on the big screen. But the longer they, they prolong this, it's just waning interest in it. And that's the way it works. Uh, another movie to bring up as a great example is we all know the success of Avatar. Okay? Now, James Cameron was supposedly working on Avatar 2. I haven't heard any news on Avatar 2. And it's been a long time since the original came out. He was working on it. They were filming it. I... Just have not heard anything about it. Nothing. Nada. It's sort of like disappeared into Hollywood oblivion. So I have no idea. Uh, let's see what's going on in the chats. Gypsy writes, not every actor can direct. So it's always good uh, to... Sorry, not every actor can direct. So it's always good to start with episodes before you jump into a movie. Uh, Gypsy likes the later start time. Uh, Gypsy also says, I've heard some studies are boycotting Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because of the whole voting fiasco that's going on in Georgia. Tyler writes, she told me the delay in shooting is because they are in talks about releasing only one movie versus three in a row. Who's she, Tyler? Uh... And like, again, that goes to what I said, a dispute. It's a dispute, uh, major or minor, there's some kind of a dispute. And that's why they haven't started filming yet. I'll even bet money on it. Like I said, I, I have no idea what the dispute is about. There could be multiple disputes, but something is causing the hang up from these movies at least starting principal photography, which is filming. And we just won't know. Uh, Tyler writes, uh, she is a friend of mine, is a handler, PR for one of the main characters. Okay, that's good inside information. So it's a dispute, like I said. 
So anyway, continuing on with this article, Andrew Lincoln starred as the protagonist, Rick Grimes. Protagonist, except, you know, for that single time he went in and butchered people while they were asleep. In The Walking Dead throughout the first nine seasons on AMC, before being written out by mysterious circumstances. I, I, I don't see what the mysterious circumstances are, but anyway... Fans can't wait to reunite with the badass Survivor as well as Lincoln's signature performance. He explained why he won't be behind the camera on any of the Walking Dead movies, saying, I have signed for more than one film. Okay, now that's a, that means something. It means he has signed a contract to do more than one film. Uh, so I don't know how does how that plays into what your PR friend Tyler said. Again, more fuel for a dispute. I am a producer on it, he goes on to say. I will not be directing because I don't like watching myself. So that would be a self-defeating exercise. And that's not the first time Andrew Lincoln has said that. And I can actually totally sympathize with him. I do not I do not like watching myself on replays. I don't know why. I but I can totally sympathize with Andrew Lincoln. It's just I think it's a you know how they say you're your own worst critic? I think that plays a lot into it. So I totally understand where Andy's coming from in that respect. He goes on to say it would just be the most painful. Yep. It just wouldn't happen. Well, that was honest. Uh, while revealing that there are plans for multiple Walking Dead movies, Andrew Lincoln also put the kibosh on any directing talks. Instead, he'll be putting his full attention into stepping back into Rick's shoes and bringing the same energy and emotion that he did for his acclaimed run on television. Andrew Lincoln's comments to SFX magazine show where the love actually actor's head is currently at regard in his Walking Dead return. The pressure will be on for the developing project to bring the franchise into the movie realm. Specifically, it's going to have to perform at the box office rather than producing numbers for TV viewership. It's currently unclear when the mysterious Walking Dead movie will begin production. In the same interview, Andrew Lincoln said that he was hoping to begin filming sometime in the spring. Well, the spring is almost over. But it doesn't look like there is currently a start date on that highly anticipated film project. In the meantime, Lincoln, Lincoln is still locked down at home in order to jump into work if he gets the call. When we last saw Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead, he seemingly sacrificed himself and blew up a bridge in order to protect the communities from a horde of walkers. While the other survivors thought he died, the audience saw him being brought onto a helicopter by Jadis slash Anne to places unknown, more than likely somewhere in upstate New York. There's no telling where the story is headed and what twists and turns will come to the beloved character. 
As Andrew Lincoln mentioned, he's actually signed on for more than one Walking Dead film as both the star and producer. The series seemingly set up more narrative possibilities last season when Denai Guerrero's Michonne discovered Rick was alive. That's not entirely accurate. She found evidence that he survived the bridge blast. She did not find, you know, proof positive that he's still alive and departed Alexandria in hopes of finding him. Perhaps they could finally reunite in a sequel movie. And I know that would make our viewer uh, Summer very happy. Biggest Rishon fan I know. The Walking Dead will return for its final season on AMC while its sequels continue on. Uh, be sure to check out the 2021 movie release dates to plan your next movie experience. So there you guys have it. Uh, Gypsy Road also says, I don't like watching myself also. Uh, Gypsy Rhodes, he should direct an episode. That he did say in a Comic-Con a couple of years ago that he would be interested to in coming back to the TV show, not as Rick Grimes, but as to direct at least an episode. But as far as the movie goes, the movies go, he's not going to be directing them. Anyway, there's some behind-the-scenes dispute going on to sum it up. We're, we don't know what they are. Are we ever going to find out? If we are, it's not going to be for a while. Uh, I really do hope, because there have been, been movies, projects that have had stars signed, ready to go, and it'll be surprised. Don't be surprised. They never made it. They never made it to shooting. They never made it to release. So nothing is a guarantee in Hollywood. Uh, you know, one or two disputes, you end up at court, there's lawsuits, and it could be tied up for years. Uh, just like one of our guests said the other day, that's what's going on. Uh, Larry Zerner, who uh, played Shelley in Friday the 13th Part 3, that's why you have not seen any new Friday the 13th movies, because it's the franchise is currently wrapped up in lawsuits. And it can lock up a franchise for an indefinite amount of time. So let's all hope and pray that whatever the disagreement, dispute is, can be resolved. Because the ones that get hurt the most are the fans. We don't get what was promised to us. You know, and Scott Gimple promised us that we would be getting three Rick Grimes-centered Walking Dead movies. Uh, and it's vital that those movies come out for the continuation of the franchise. And I'm not talking about the main show. Uh, if those Rick Grimes movies do not come out, it's going to hurt the entire Walking Dead franchise. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead... World Beyond is just a limited two-season show. And it really puts World Beyond in a really weird position. Remember, World Beyond, uh, at least what to, as far as what I think, was created as a way to give us information to lead us into the Rick Grimes movies. With them not even starting shooting yet, 
that sort of puts world beyond in limbo because if the second season airs, i mean you know finishes shooting airs and yet years pass before that rick grimes movie comes out its purpose is self-defeated as it was supposed to keep excitement going and give us clues and hints about where rick might be and be a lead-in into that movie so having world beyond season two end and then having years gap between that ending and the walking dead movie beginning is not going to help the franchise and they know this trust me they know this um uh sassy is writing aren't they ending it at the 11th season anyway yeah the main mother show which is what i like to call it is ending after a two-year season 11 so it's ending in 2022 season 11 is going to be broken up over two years we're going to get 12 episodes uh starting at the end of this year and the other 12 episodes in 2022 uh jason writes look at james bond franchise that has had multiple times where lawsuits have delayed it before a new film or actor has been announced this is nothing new exactly james bond this is nothing new uh, like i said there have been movies where everything was ready to go and a dispute a disagreement absolutely buries the project and the people that pay the biggest price are the fans. So let's see, what else do we have? We, I, I do have another Walking Dead story. And since we're on the Walking Dead topic, before I switch to my other topics, let's go ahead and read this one. This is about the Walking Dead's uh, leader, Wolves leader, Owen, Benedict Samuel, who was also one of our guests. And the title, the headline goes, Walking Dead's Wolves leader, Owen, was the first major villain that Rick never met. And when we had Benedict on the show here, uh, I specifically asked him a, a question about Andrew Lincoln. Uh, Benedict is Australian. Uh, Andrew, of course, is from the United Kingdom. And they both did a, do an amazing job to, uh, doing the American accent. And I asked Benedict, uh, if you ran into Andrew, is it true that he never breaks character when he's on the set? And according to Benedict, if I remember his answer correctly, uh, Benedict was out in the back eating lunch and Andrew Lincoln came walking by. And he said that for a couple of seconds, Andrew Lincoln broke out of his American Rick accent and started speaking, you know, in his normal accent. So anyway, uh, it is true. Rick and Owen never crossed paths on The Walking Dead. So the Walking Dead leader, the Wolves leader, Owen, was particularly creepy villain. But interestingly, he was the first major antagonist Rick Grimes did not get to meet. The Walking Dead's Wolves leader, Owen, was the primary antagonist during the first half of season six. But oddly enough, he and Rick Grimes never came face to face. As the main hero of the story, it makes sense that Rick Grimes has eventually had a showdown with most of the major Walking Dead villains. From stabbing his frenemy, Shane, and splitting Negan's throat to his jugular, 
biting brawl with the claimers, Joe, Rick's various confrontations with villains have provided the show with some of its best moments. Rick Grimes did, did come across the Wolves' handiwork during the latter half of The Walking Dead Season 5. In the mid-season premiere titled What Happened and What's Going On, Rick and his group traveled to Noah's home at the Sherwilt Estates where they found his family brutally killed and the message, Wolves Not Far, spray-painted on the walls. Likewise, Wolves leader Owen knew of Rick's existence in a roundabout way when he went through Aaron's backpack in the season 5 finale called Conquer and found photos of Rick and the Alexandria community. That's the episode. A lot happened in that episode. In that episode is when Morgan meets up with Daryl. Uh, Daryl is holed up in that car uh, with Aaron, I believe, and they are surrounded by walkers. Morgan comes to the rescue in the hustle. I uh, believe Aaron drops his backpack. Owen finds it, sees the pictures of the Alexandria community. That is also the episode where the Alexandria community is having their meeting on whether or not to exile Rick for him getting into a fight with Pete. That's when Pete came in all crazy, holding Michonne's katana, uh, ended up slicing Deanna's husband's throat. Deanna looked up to Rick, basically told him to go ahead and kill Pete. So that's a little synopsis if you guys didn't remember. Uh, Khaleesi does confirm it was Aaron with Daryl in that car. So anyway, however, when Owen and the Wolves launched their attack on, Alex on Alexandria in The Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 2, which was a kick-ass episode, Rick was be busy de dealing with a quarry full of walkers heading straight for the community. Later on, he had the displeasure of dealing with a few members of the Wolves, but while their leader, Owen, was in Morgan's custody. Rick was a tad preoccupied fending off the Walker horde that had descended on Alexandria. Rick didn't actually get a chance to confront Owen before he died, Owen died, in the episode called No Way Out, making him the first major villain Rick never met. But man, look at this picture here. Did Morgan taking Owen alive cause a dispute between him and Carol? Ooh, those two got into it. Now, there's a good reason why Rick did not face off against this particular Walking Dead villain, and that's because Owen was an antagonist meant more for Morgan than the show's main hero. Owen and Morgan were popular, were polar opposites. While the latter returned to The Walking Dead, a changed man who refused to commit murder, the former demonstrated an almost complete lack of remorse and was willing to kill anybody. But yet, he did sacrifice himself to save Denise. Narratively, Owen was Morgan's nemesis, so it made sense most of his interactions 
were with Morgan rather than Rick. Obviously, there have been other villains that Rick hasn't met since Andrew Lincoln left The Walking Dead in Season 9. By the time Alpha and the Whisperers arrived on scene, it had been around six years since Rick was whisked off on Jadis' mystery helicopter, and it's unlikely he'll meet current villains, the Reapers, either, which we really don't know that much about the Reapers. However, with Rick Grimes' movie on the horizon, no doubt Walking Dead viewers will see their favorite hero face off against more villains in the not-too-distant future. And at this point, we have to assume when they're talking about those villains, they are in some way, shape, or form uh, associated with the CRM, the Civic Republic Military. So that's what we have on the Walking Dead front. Uh, The Conjuring brings horror to life with Devil's Woods premiere. Special guest, Billy Eilish. Eilish attended the Supernatural event on Wednesday night, which featured a movie-inspired tour through the dark trees. Uh, Ahead of the release of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is coming out uh, Friday, June 4th, Really excited about that. Held at Franklin Canyon Park in Beverly Hills, the intimate event dubbed the Devil's Woods Experience featured a screening among the trees and a Devil's Woods tour where flashlight-equipped guests were led through a movie-inspired scenes featuring priests and the possessed, chainsaws, tombstones, and the supernatural were also a part of the tour, running alongside a more traditional but horror-tinged premiere reception with snacks and tarot card readings. How many of you guys have actually been to a haunted house attraction? I have to admit, I have never been to a haunted house uh, attraction. Am I just dying to go? I can't honestly answer yes. Khaleesi has been to one. I don't know if it would scare me or not, but I can't answer one way or the other because I've never been to one. Maybe one day I'll do it. Maybe on one Halloween I will find a, or be in the vicinity of a Halloween attraction, a haunted house attraction and see what happens, which is really weird because I live in Northern Virginia And Northern Virginia, this area of Northern Virginia is uh, rumored to be very haunted. Uh, Luckily, I do not live in a haunted house. Uh, Thank God. Uh, But, you know, I live on the site of two major Civil War battles. Uh, There was a lot of bloodshed, especially in the town where I live in. Two major Civil War battles were fought here. One in the beginning of the Civil War and one in the end. The first battle, uh, Northerners came in to watch from Washington, thinking that this war, the Civil War, would be over in one battle. So they gathered around in their fancy Sunday clothing to watch a war. As weird as that may sound to us, that's exactly what they did. 
But what ended up happening with that first battle is the Confederate Army basically pushed back the Union Army. And they were on the heels knocking on Washington on, on the Capitol's doorstep because I only live a mere 20 miles outside of Washington. But they didn't go for Washington. Uh, they stopped short. They didn't think it was a wise move. Now, fast forward four years later, there's a second battle fought in the town where I live at. But this time, the Union defeated the Confederates. So, with that information, you guys should, you have enough information to narrow down exactly which town I live in. Exactly which town I live in, in Northern Virginia. Uh, Tyler writes, I was born in Jeff Jefferson Davis Hospital in Houston. It was built on a Civil War graveyard and they never moved the bodies. Oof. Uh, I have uh, Anna on Facebook writes, I've got my arm scratched when they were grabbed, when they grabbed me, scared me, but then they, the person that grabbed me started laughing and it made me laugh. You see, that's something that I think would happen to me if I go to a haunted house attraction. You know, I totally, I would find it amusing. I would not get scared, but I could totally have the opposite reaction. Uh, Jason writes, can't think about people jumping out on me because I would hit at them. <laughs> anyway, Billie Eilish was among the, the star's guests as well as director Michael Shavs, who ahead of screening shouted out James Wan, director of the first two franchise films, talking about The Conjuring for creating the paranormal universe. This is totally a horror movie, but it's also a story of love and a story of faith. And there's a lot of people here who took a big leap of faith on me, says Shavs, whose previous work includes The Curse of La Lolota, The Curse of La Lona. Probably, I've never been able to say that properly, but that is a really good movie. And Eilish's bury a friend video so there you guys have the picture sounds like a fun event really looking forward to the conjuring 3 the devil made me do it again it is being released june 4th next week so let's see what else we have more werewolf movies are coming out and uh we had uh, uh the star of a werewolf movie several months ago very beautifully done. Uh, I've always liked werewolf movies. I think vampire movies have gotten a little bit overplayed out, but you don't see that many werewolf movies. Um, not until recently. In Werewolves Within's new trailer, VP star Sam Richardson and This Is Us alum Mila Weintraub attempt to unite the town against its furry foes. A new trailer has been re released for Werewolves Within. It's a horror comedy flick from IFC Films, and Ubisoft is based off of Ubisoft's 2006 VR title of the same name, in which frightened villagers must determine who amongst them is actually a dead lycanthrope. I just cannot speak tonight. 
Directed by former college humor star Josh Rubin, Werewolves Within released a teaser trailer in April that offered viewers a first glimpse at the werewolf beset town of Beaverfield and its quirky residents. That's right, the name of the town is Beaverfield. Now, IFC Films has released a new trailer for Werewolves Within shortly after the just-arrived park ranger Finn discovers the victim of what appears to be a deadly wolf attack. A snowstorm snowstorm forces the townspeople to take shelter at a local inn. As tensions rise and trust erodes amongst the group, it's up to Finn to hold Beaverfield together, lest werewolves tear it apart. VP Sam Richardson leads an ensemble cast that includes This Is Us, Milana Vantrop, Orange is the New Black's Michael Shurness, What We Do in the Shadows, Harvey Guillen, and Big Mouth's Michaela Watkins. So let's check out the trailer below. Let's check this out. Remember, this is a horror comedy. Should affect our snowshoes. What? People do that? You know, fun fact, not only is it the oldest, but remains one of the most effective means of traversing the ice. Wow. Yeah, you're gonna fit right in at Beaverfield. Everything here is a little questionable. Ranger! The people. The weather. Everything. Oh. Ranger, you look like you just seen a corpse. Well, the roads are amped, and something's wrong with the generator. Which generator? All of them. Make it on the internet! Uh, also, there's a dead body under your porch. Holy ah! Ah! Probably a wolf. What, are you like a wolf detective now, Marcus? Who knows who will win it? Who's gonna kill next? I think we can all agree that it's unsafe outside and there's safety in numbers. Out of curiosity, who is packing? Well, we're having a good old-fashioned sleepover. With guns, though. With guns, yes. Everything about this predator is unorthodox. It's not human. It's not a canine. It's one of them. One of what? A lycanthrope. A what? A werewolf. How could it gotten in here? How did it get out? Who says it got out? (laughs) Maybe. I'm a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. Maybe you're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. You're a werewolf. Maybe we're all Are we really in a Mexican standoff right now? Baby, don't say Mexican. Just stand up. You know, we're probably just gonna head out. We just, just pull it. Oh, Here, right. Please, 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 I don't know. Just, just you go ahead. Please, don't spare oh, me. Oh, please, please. Don't. Oh, please. Please don't bomb the lock. Me. I oh my goodness, I could have gotten it. All right, that looks entertaining. 
That really looks entertaining. And I saw that Lifting Fit Journey is joining us tonight. Lifting Fit Journey, man, how are you doing? How is parenthood treating you? Lifting Fit Journey is one of our original watchers. And we haven't seen him in a while. And he starts off with his famous line of, I like turtles. It's good to see you back with us, Lifting Fit. Hope you're doing well. But going back to this werewolves movie, it looks hysterical. It really does look funny. Um, <laughs> not many horror comedies are actually good, but this one looks like it has potential. The funnier side of horror movie tropes has been particularly popular fodder for comedy as of late. Moving beyond the blunt force satire of the scary movie franchise, recently tonally ambitious films such as Freaky and Spontaneous have found new ways to mine terrifying situations for laughs. If it's new trailer, it's any indication Werewolves Within should have audiences howling with laughter while covering their eyes when it arrives in theaters in late June and on demand in early July. And I might be checking that one out. So, let's see, where should we go next? Ten great horror movies that are just so 80s. I just Let's just quickly go through this list. Chopping Mall, alright? Chopping Mall, one of another stars that we've had as a guest on this show. This movie has grown a cult following, no doubt about it. Number nine, Return of the Living Dead. Tom Matthews, you know, there you go again, Tom Matthews. Number eight, They Live, and I spoke about this the other day. Roddy Piper, the famous uh, wrestling entertainment wrestler, and I'm pretty sure when Rowdy uh, was filming this, doing this film, Nobody expected this to become the cult hit that it has become. Number seven, The Monster Squad. Number six, Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Number five, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Number four, The Lost Boys. I love this movie. Not gonna lie, I'm a big Lost Boys fan. Number three, Christine. Excellent movie. Number two, Fright Night. Another excellent movie. And number one, Sleepaway Camp, whose star, the movie, the star of the movie of Sleepaway Camp is going to be at the convention that we are going to this weekend. Very much looking forward to meeting her. So there you go. I don't, I don't understand the headline. I was expecting modern movies that are, you know, sort of 80-ish in style. But they just listed, you know, 10 pretty good movies from the 80s. Uh, let's see. Lindsay says, I was so bummed that I missed the show last night. Fell asleep early. That's fine, Lindsay. Just glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, Anna writes, my better half's my better half loves the Lost Boys. I, I mean, I love the Lost Boys. I, re I remember exactly what year it came out. I think it was 1987. And I've always been a big Kiefer Sutherland fan. And I remember I was like, what, 13 years old back in 87? 
And when that movie came on, uh, I idolized uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character, who was David. Jason Patrick is also in it, whose character name was Michael. I watched that movie over and over and over again. At one point in my life, I believe I had the whole dialogue of the movie memorized. And you're right, Lindsay, it had a kick-ass soundtrack. Um, the, the soundtrack to The Lost Boys was absolutely phenomenal. Want to welcome EU, who's joining us all the way from Brazil. Jorge is joining us all the way from Peru. And Archie is with us from Colombia. We have South America very well represented tonight. Welcome. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, so let's see. Let's see. Looking at... Damn, we're 45 minutes into this show already. Uh, let's see. Let me see if we can find another article that's worthy. This one has too, way too many damn ads. No. No. The five worst horror movie remakes of all time. Oh, let's just quickly go through this. Friday the 13th remake. Wasn't that bad. Number four, Psycho. Uh, it was just different. Three, The Wicker Man. Mm. Number two, Poltergeist. No, I, I'm going to disagree there. I liked the Poltergeist remake. I thought it was pretty decent. It was definitely should not be on this top five worst remakes in horror. No, I, I enjoyed it. And the number one, Child's Play. Alright, sort of agree with that one. But Poltergeist, absolutely not. So, let's get to our topic before we completely run out of time for tonight. And tonight, we are talking about franchises based on true stories. And I have gone on big rants about this. Whenever you start a TV show or a movie... Whether it says inspired by real events, based on true events, always take that with a grain of salt. Even the Conjuring movies, who follow the very real life Elaine and Ed Warren, uh, their stories are really twisted from reality for fans and to be put on the big screen for us. So I always say always take it with a big grain of salt. Now, you got to start with the Amityville Horror franchise. I've talked about this story numerous times. I'm not going to go into much detail about it. But we all know the story. Ronnie DeFeo did murder his family. Uh, about a year later, the Lutz family moves in. Only stayed in there for 28 days before abandoning the house in the middle of the night. I pointed out in prior episodes that when they bought the house... They kept all the furniture that was there from the DeFeo family. Why you would do that befuddles me. You're buying a house where a murder, a mass murder took place. Six people were murdered in that house. Of course, all the family furniture is left behind and you keep it. They even kept the bed frames where they were murdered in. No. That's creepy. Next is The Haunting in Connecticut. Two films based on odd supernatural hauntings. You have The Haunting of Connecticut, 
actually taking place in Connecticut. And then you have the haunting in Connecticut, the one in Georgia. Both really good movies. The first movie, if you actually watch it and watch the true... Uh, there have been several documentaries made about the first haunting in Connecticut. The stories are very similar to what transpired in real life. Of course, they took some liberties for the movie, but as far as, you know, you know, referencing it to other movies that are based on quote-unquote real events, the, ha- the first haunting in Connecticut was pretty damn close. All right, the Wolf Creek series, the cinematically exaggerated Ben of the crimes of an Australian serial killer that targeted American backpackers. Robert the Doll, okay, four movies, a quartet of horror movies based on the legend of the original killer doll. The films have been made centered on Robert the Doll, though often dramatizing the actual story behind him. Robert was a gift to a boy named Eugene Robert Otto. So, let's see. The Hills Have Eyes series. The modern Americanization of the Sawney Bean Gang from Scotland. Alright, again, very much uh, a lot of liberties taken for the the, uh, motion picture version. The Poltergeist series. This was loosely based on true events. The fictionalized events that overtook the real-life story of the Herman family, the screenwriters of the first film investigated the events that happened to the Herman family while the film is set. In the 1980s, the the events originally happened in 1958. The family gave the poltergeist the nickname Popper, as items in the kitchen with caps would often pop up and their contents would be sprayed into the air. None of the surviving Herman children, then adults, nor their children watched any of the Poltergeist films, avoiding the experience and for very good reason. The first film took the most information from the Herman family Poltergeist. Later sequels went on to create new events for the uh, for the film family to go through, so not uncommon. A movie, quote unquote, based inspired on real events, becomes successful, such as The Poltergeist, the original. You're gonna want to make more movies, but the real events end with the original movie, so they take the idea of the original movie, and then the writers step in and take over. And expanded deeper into the fictional realm. Uh, let's see. Lindsay writes, why would anyone do that? That is so creepy in regards to the uh, keeping the furniture around from a murder family. I have no answer for you, Lindsay. I have no idea. Tyler writes, Ed Gein, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw a documentary on Ed Gein. And there are a lot of movies that were inspired by Ed Gein. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He would mur- he murdered several women. He uh, removed their skin and was making a full body suit. 
Now, Ed Gein is also the inspiration for the Psycho movies. He had this very unusually close relationship with his mother. It's a whole mother-son distorted, dysfunctional relationship. And when she died, he was trying to bring her back to life by playing Dr. Frankenstein Instead of him trying to reanimate her dead corpse, he was rebuilding her, for lack of a better term, by killing innocent women and peeling off their skin. It was really creepy. He had these mannequin dolls where he would lay patches of their skin over so he can get enough flesh to recreate his mother. The dude was crazy. I mean, no doubt about it. And the this documentary, it's, it's available on the Discovery Channel, I believe on the Travel Channel. If you have Discovery Plus, you can watch it. It's one of their shock docs. But it goes through a whole investigation, uh, a paranormal investigation, because the house where Ed Gein used to live on has since burnt down. And the land is just vacant. But they allowed the paranormal team to go in there. They did their whole ghost hunting with uh, EVPs and all their equipment. And they supposedly picked up uh, not only the spirit of Ed Gein, but his mother as well. And his mother was very controlling. Like I said, the story of Ed Gein inspired a lot of films. Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just to name a few. The Exorcist. Now, this is one of the most infamous uh, demonic possession paranormal stories around. Uh, The story starts out in Maryland, and it goes all the way out to St. Louis. It revolves around a 13-year-old boy uh, who was supposedly possessed. And his exorcism lasted for months and months and months. Uh, He just started displaying odd behavior. They They went and took him for all kinds of tests. This also happened, I believe, in the 50s or 40s, somewhere around that time frame. They were living in Maryland. They were told to... uh, go meet somebody who can help them in Missouri. They end up moving out to St. Louis. Uh, no, no hospital will take, would take the boy in. Even churches denied taking him in for the exorcism to be performed properly. Uh, they, uh, the person who performed the exorcist, was. this was the first exorcist he had ever performed. And one of the things that he wanted done through this exorcism is he brought along somebody to just document the events as they unfolded during the exorcism. Uh, This is also a documentary available on the Discovery Channel. And it's a fascinating story. Uh, You have this person who was brought in by the church. I think it was a priest as well to document what happened and Just like in the movie The Exorcist, there were 
writings that appeared on his body, uh, like we saw in the Help Me in the Exorcist, something similar was written on his body, but I believed on him it said the word hell. Uh, he exhibited really abnormal strength. They, multiple people witnessed him levitating into free air over the bed. It took weeks and weeks and into months of day after day exorcisms, but in the end, they were able to successfully rid the demon. Because the exorcism was so difficult, there are people that believe that he was actually possessed by the devil himself. So anyway, that's what inspired the book by William Peter Blatty, who we all know as the the exorcist. The franchise, of course, The Exorcist has been rated as one of the scariest movies of all times. You really can't argue with that. Um, Blatty wrote the book. Friedkin did the movie. Blatty was an advisor. Uh, Of course, Max von Sydow played the priest that came in at the end. Uh, And it was a great story. I mean, I don't need to rehash The Exorcist for you guys. I'm sure everybody watching this has seen The Exorcist. If not, that's a great thing to do over this coming Memorial Day weekend. So, it's just one of those classics that is never going to get old. So, anyway, guys, that's all the time that we have for tonight. I want everybody to have a safe, enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. Uh, If you're staying at home, if you're traveling, have a good time. Be safe. We'll be back on the air with you on Tuesday at 3 p.m., with our interview with Ivan Kavanaugh, the writer of the movie Sun. Don't forget this weekend, me and my executive producer Marco are heading to Raleigh, North Carolina for the Carolina Fear Fest Horror Convention. We're gonna be live streaming throughout the entire weekend. We're gonna be doing on the spot interviews with uh, hopefully a lot of the guests. So stay tuned, keep an eye on our social media accounts. And I'll be talking to you over the weekend, but I'll be back here on at home uh, in this my little studio Tuesday afternoon. But we'll be talking throughout this holiday weekend through Raleigh while I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. And like I said, if you guys are in the area, I would love for you guys to stop by so I can meet you. Stay safe. And until we talk again from Raleigh, North Carolina on Saturday, stay walking, guys.